And it's with great awe that we remember what Jesus has done for us. It's a happy Good Friday. It's happy because he covered our sin. He forgave us all of our transgressions and he gave us a new life. But it's also a time where we appropriately grieve for the sins that we committed and that nailed Jesus to the cross. If you have a Bible, turn with me in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And at the beginning of every year, what I normally like to do on my calendar, on my phone, is I like to take note and highlight certain dates that hold significant meaning for me. And for me, one of those dates is July 13th. July 13th is my wife's birthday. All right, how many of you know that if I miss my wife's birthday, it's not gonna be good for all of us, all right? Um, also, our anniversary is something I highlight. I also highlight my birthday, my daughter's birthday. I also put different vacations that I'm going to be taking and, and working in the church world for close to a decade now. Um, I always highlight when Easter is, when Good Friday is happening, when Christmas and Christmas Eve and Christmas experience is all happening. And I look forward to in great anticipation to these events and these dates that are on my calendar. Some of you have a paper calendar. How many old school like that? You have a paper calendar. That's how my mom is every time she comes down and visits us. She whips out that paper calendar and said, when am I coming down to watch my granddaughter? All right. And uh, whether you have a paper calendar or a phone calendar, we look forward to certain dates in our calendar. Significant days hold significant meanings for you and for me. And today is a significant day in the church calendar. Today is called Good Friday. And it's kind of ironic because as I was walking around the lobby before service, I was telling people, happy Good Friday, happy Good Friday. And, and it's almost kind of an oxymoron to say that it's one thing to kind of say happy Resurrection Sunday or happy Merry Christmas, but it's another to come in on a day when we go to the table of the Lord and we sing songs about the cross and, and sing songs about our Savior, suffering Savior. It's a, it's a little bit difficult to say happy Good Friday. I was doing some research this, uh, this week and it was in the fourth century that the church actually began to observe officially the Friday before Easter, the day to be associated with the crucifixion of Jesus. Some historians believe that the term Good Friday came about from uh, a different variations of names and it was originally called God's Friday where the church began to take the word of God and kind of morph it into the word good because back in the fourth and fifth centuries, common people could not really say the word God because it was too reverent or holy of a name. And so it got translated into Good Friday. Whether you call it God's Friday, Good Friday, make no deal about it. But it is a day when man was at its worst, but God was at his best. And even if you call it Good Friday, there's some tension in that. And the reason why, yes, it's great that our sins are forgiven, but it's also a day where we have gathered tonight to appropriately grieve over what our sin did to Jesus. You know, it was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. It wasn't the Romans, it wasn't the government, it wasn't Pontius Pilate or King Herod. It wasn't the Pharisees or the Sadducees. It was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. If you go down the line of who was guilty, it was my sin and your sin that nailed Jesus to that old rugged cross. And in just a moment, we're gonna read from Luke's gospel, chapter 23. And all the gospels depict the resurrection of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus. But I love Luke's gospel in particular because it does it in such a worshipful way. 
And so before we do that, I just want to welcome everyone here. If you have not received those communion elements, make sure you do. We will be taking Holy Communion together. And for those who are watching online, I'm sure there's hundreds of families who are watching in their living room, ready to take communion together as a family. Make sure you get those elements ready as we prepare for the Lord's table. And so in Luke chapter 23, there's some context around here. Um, there is the plot against Jesus. There was the chief priests and the scribes and Judas who betrayed Jesus. And they're getting ready, planning on how they were going to kill Jesus, who was proclaiming to be the Messiah, the son of God. And it would be considered blasphemy if it was not true, but it was true. And then Jesus with his disciples are getting ready for the Passover, which is the institution of the Lord's Supper communion, which we're going to do in just a moment. And then we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples as they're falling asleep. And Jesus prays to his father, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Come on, aren't you grateful for that prayer? God, not my will, but your will be done. And in the garden of Gethsemane, they betray Jesus. They arrest Jesus. After the disciples scattered, Peter denies Christ. Jesus is put on trial in front of a council, in front of Pilate, in front of Herod, back to Pilate all night long on trial. And finally, Pilate releases Jesus to be crucified, but not after being whipped and scourged. He releases Jesus to be crucified and crucifixion is the worst way to die. It's where we get our word excruciating. And so next time you use that word, just think you're probably going through something a little bit different than hanging on a cross. The crucifixion was ugly. It was impaling. It was humiliating. And this is where we pick up our text just before Jesus is being nailed to the cross. And I want to encourage all of us, don't let the Good Friday or Easter season go by without reading the story from the word of God and remembering the price that was paid, which we deserve but he took on himself. Here it is in Luke chapter 23, verse 32. It says two others also were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and on the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by looking on. And even the rulers who were sneering at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. This is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him saying, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And it was now about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. And because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two and Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God saying, certainly this man was innocent. 
There's so many points that we just, that we read that I would just love to highlight before we take Holy Communion together. The first is this, Jesus is perfect. Jesus is perfect. He is perfect. He's the only one with no sin nature, the only one who has never sinned. He is perfect. And as we read this text, there are two criminals on the cross next to him. And he's in the center. And we can identify with the two criminals, but we cannot identify with Jesus. We are the sinners. We were the criminals. And because of our sin, we deserve death. And Jesus is the only one who lived a perfect, sinless life. He was the only one that was perfect. Romans 3.23 says, For we have all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Jesus is perfect. He's the only one who could have saved us from our sin. Number two, Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives. And this is striking because in the process of paying for our sin, while he's hanging on the cross, he says to the people who are mocking him, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And that's amazing because the sins haven't yet been paid for. He's hanging on a cross. People are mocking him. And he has a way different response than how the Old Testament people used to respond. The way the people of God used to react is found in Jeremiah 18, 23, which says, Yet you, O Lord, know all their deadly designs against me. Do not forgive their iniquity or blot out their sin from your sight. But may they be overthrown before you. Deal with them in the time of your anger. Praise God, Jesus reacts differently to his enemies because once we were enemies, once we were enemies, once we were far off and now we become called friends of God because he says while he was still paying for sin before we earned the right to justification and receiving the free gift of salvation that was even made possible, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus is perfect. Jesus forgives. Number three, Jesus answers prayers. He answers prayers. One criminal responds by saying, man, if you're so great, save us. If you're so great, save us. And then he's rebuked by the other criminal. Do you not know who this man is? He doesn't deserve what is happening to him. Jesus, would you just remember me? Just remember me when you enter in to your kingdom. And that truly is a faith statement. It's saying, man, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're the only one who can save and I believe that the kingdom that you're about to go into, you're gonna be the reigning king. And my question for you tonight is this, which criminal are you in your response to the power of God and his ability to save? It's one thing to say the right thing. The first criminal got it right, yeah, save us. But he said it with the wrong heart, said it with the wrong motives. The second criminal, he also said the right thing. God, just, just remember me when you come into your kingdom and he said it with the right heart. And Jesus answers that man's prayer that he didn't even know he was praying. Maybe you've had a prayer like that before. And Jesus says, man, you better believe we are about to be in paradise together. Jesus still answers prayers today, amen? amen. And what is it that you need? Come to Jesus, not just saying the right words, come with the right heart, come with the right approach, boldly to the throne of Jesus Christ, boldly asking him, but with a humility of heart. Jesus is perfect, Jesus forgives, Jesus answers prayers. Number four, 
Jesus, our high priest, gives us access to the presence of God. Jesus, our high priest, gives us access to the presence of God. And I'm going to spend some time on this point because this is so important for us to understand the significance of what Good Friday is all about. And if you know the Old Testament and New Testament, that for centuries, the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies was off limits to people like you and me. Can you, can you just imagine being a Jew, being a follower of Jesus, and there is a sign on the door of the temple saying, do not enter. It's like if you wanted to come to church, Christian Life Center, and there's a sign on the door saying, do not enter. Only the pastor and, and board members and elders could enter, and in, they could only enter once a year. And the Jewish people, year after year, decade after decade, they want an intimate relationship with God to be in the presence of God. And all the Jews saw for centuries was a sign on the door that says, do not enter, do not enter. And we, the people of God, we were separated from the presence of God, if not for Jesus Christ. If not for Jesus Christ, here's a description. There was two rooms in the temple. There was one room and then there was another room that a veil separated that second room. And that was considered the holy of holies. And this is what it says in Hebrews 9, three through seven. It says, behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the holy of holies, having a golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar holding the manna and Aaron's rod, which budded in the tables of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship, but into the second, the Holy of Holies, only the high priest enters once a year, but not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. In the temple, like I said, there was another room and that was separated by the veil. It was called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was separated by this veil. And we read in our story in Luke chapter 23 that the veil was torn, that he was God in flesh. And when he died on the cross, he paid it all for us. Our sin, my sin for us. And what happened was that the temple veil, which separated the Jewish people from the Holy of Holies was torn from top to bottom. It was an act of God. God. It was a symbol of God. It was a move of God that no longer you needed the Holy of Holies to be in the presence of God. But now that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, isn't that good news? Man, how many of you thankful for that? That the do not enter sign was torn, shredded. The veil was completely gone. How many of you thankful that you don't need a priest to talk to your father or a pastor to talk to your father? You don't need a church service to experience the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can come upon you maybe in your living room, your bedroom, while you're driving the car. Why? Because the temple veil was torn and now we can experience the presence of God in a real intimate way. He's no longer at arm's length from us. He doesn't come upon you. He dwells in you. He lives in you inside of you. Look at Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. It says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Because of what Jesus did on the cross, the veil was torn and the presence of God makes its way into us. And we have this crazy advantage on the people of the Old Testament. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And when you give your life to Christ, which I'll give an opportunity at the end of this message, when you give your life to Christ, you now have the Holy Spirit start to dwell inside of you. And you pray every single day for the filling of the Spirit of God so that you can do the work of the Father, which he has called you to do. Jesus, he went into the most holy place once for all. Write that down, once for all. Hebrews 9 11, 14 says this, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own bloods. He entered the holy place, catch that, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the, through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Come on, can we give God praise that he offered himself the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He that knew no sin, and the veil was torn and the presence of God is now everywhere at all times. And as you give your life to Jesus, he lives inside you wherever you go. He's with you. And I don't want us to miss the, the meaning of Good Friday. The cross, just look at that cross right over here. My left, your right. The cross represents the pain-taking lengths that Jesus went through. Not so that you could have some religious rituals, but so that you could have an intimate relationship with God. Look at Isaiah 53, five, it says, but he was pierced through our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging, we are healed. After all that, after he was pierced for our transgressions, after all that, we get a full assurance and confidence on Good Friday that while he was suffering on that cross, we were on his mind. We were on his mind. He wanted us to have a deep, intimate, personal relationship with him. My fifth point is this, Jesus submits himself to the Father. Jesus submits himself to the Father. The Son of God, the one who created the universe, submitted himself to the Father. And side note, Jesus is to be imitated. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, and offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Be imitators of of Christ, just as he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Listen, when you give your life to Jesus, be ready to give your life to God in order to expand the kingdom of God. We are to be imitators of Christ. He submitted himself to the Father's will. My question is, who is governing your life? What's governing your life? Is it your passions? Is it you? Is it your flesh? Is it your family? Is it your job? Or are you submitted to the Father, only the Father, for direction of your life? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come out as we close. And I wanna 
end with John 15, 13. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for another. And love, that type of love covers a multitude of sins. It was the high priest on the day of atonement to go in one day of year and offer sacrifice for the people of God. And now Jesus once and for all, once and for all forgave us of all of our sins once and for all past, present and future. If Jesus submits himself to the father willingly, shouldn't we? Good Friday shows us that we are just loved by God in such a real personal way. He didn't just say that he loved us, but his behavior proved to us on the cross that he loved us. Actions speak way louder than words. It's one thing to say, I love you to somebody, but deep down in your heart, you don't really love him. Jesus not only said, I love you, but he proved that he loved us on the cross by giving his life to us. And some of you might not even admit but deep down in your hearts, man, you are longing to be loved by that father. You're longing for somebody just to choose you. And God came to meet that secret need, that silent need through the loving sacrifice of his son, Jesus. Listen, when you stare at that old rugged cross, man, it's, it's not an easy, simple kind of love. No, it was painful. It was painful for the Romans when they crucified somebody they intentionally wanted it to be humiliating. They intentionally want, wanted to take the longest route in order to prove to every criminal out there that if you did something wrong, the punishment was gonna be a long time. It wasn't gonna be short. On this Good Friday, Jesus was expressing a love to us in such an incredible way. What's your response? And the last thing is, Jesus' innocent pays for our past to be forgiven. Jesus' innocence pays for our past to be forgiven. We were all born with a sin nature. We already know that from the scripture, but because Jesus was born a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was the only one to be born in the flesh without a sin nature. And the only one to walk a perfect life. He was innocent as innocence could be. He was pure as pure could be. Listen, this wasn't some sort of magic trick. Like Jesus was hiding behind the veil and said, psych, I didn't really die. No, no, no. He really did die. And that really does matter to us. Listen, we're going to celebrate the resurrection this weekend, but we have to believe that he died and that he was resurrected. If we celebrated a resurrection with no death, there's no power in it. If we just think that he's just behind behind the veil, the curtain, no, Jesus is innocence pays so that we could have our past forgiven. And that really does matter. Because of Good Friday, I can have my past forgiveness. Hebrews 9.22 says, and according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that was the case for six hours on God's Friday, Good Friday. A Good Friday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. when the Son of God he was hung suspended. He was hung naked, bloody, beaten, thirsty, separated, and in excruciating pain 
for us. Colossians 2.13 says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of us our transgressions and having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having it nailed to the cross. That has Good Friday written all over it. He forgave our sins canceled all the laws that we broke. Good Friday, the cross underscores the fact that the reality of racing my past and your past was extremely painful. Sin demanded a payment and there's no easy way to erase your payment without leaving a scar. Just ask Jesus. The disciples saw his scars in his hands and in his feet. And no matter where you're at today in this place, some of you came in here, you saw the sign on, on the freeway and you're coming in and you don't feel like you are loved by God. You don't feel like you're loved by anybody. But I'm here to tell you today that on this Good Friday, there was someone that loved you so much, that cared for you so much that he gave his life for you. Why not open your heart to him today? Why not give your life to Jesus today? Let's pray. And before we celebrate communion and we celebrate God's willingness to have his body broken and his blood shed for you and me, maybe you're here today and you would like to take communion for the, for the very first time as a believer in Christ, right now is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. Your sins have been paid for, but you need to step out of death's row line. It's your choice to stay in that line and to receive the death that you deserved. But the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can step out of that line and receive the free gift and the removal of your guilt and the shame and have the gift of life more abundantly. Are you here today? And you're saying, man, that's me, Josh. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I need to do that right now. Maybe you're here today during the Easter season. And maybe you said that prayer as a teenager. And if you're really honest with yourself, you haven't been re really living out your yes to God. If you're really, really honest, maybe you've, you've gone astray and you're not living for the Lord. Maybe you've been praying a prayer, my will, not God's will. And maybe you need to start reversing that prayer and saying, only your will, Lord, not mine. Are you here right now and you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus? You're saying, man, I've fallen astray. I wanna get right. I wanna invite the Holy Spirit to live inside of me. I want forgiveness of my sins. I want to be made new. So if it's your, whether it's your first time or a rededication moment, are you here saying, man, I need to give my life to Jesus? I'm gonna to count to three. And on three, I just want you to raise your hand. Maybe those who are watching online, I want you to lift your hands. Don't, don't ignore what the Holy Spirit is telling you. So on the count of three, if you're saying, I wanna rededicate my life to Jesus, I wanna, I wanna accept Jesus into my life. I wanna partake in holy communion together as a believer in Jesus. I wanna know that my place is secure in heaven on, during this Easter season. On the count of three, would you just lift your hands? One, two, three. Would you just lift your hands? There's hands all across this place. There's hands over here. There's hands over here. I see your hands. There's hands all across this place. 
Come on, let's pray together. If you would just mind repeating this prayer, it's not a special formula or a magic thing. It is just a prayer acknowledging that we are sinners and we need the grace of God. Would you just repeat this prayer? Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I wanna be a new creation. I trust in you. I give my life to you. Not my will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just God praise right now for those who accepted Jesus? It is an amazing day. And the band's gonna play this amazing song called Oh, the Blood, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And I'm gonna ask for those who are watching online to get your communion elements ready. For those in the house, please get your communion elements ready. And as they sing this song, reflect on the price and the debt that was paid for you on that cross.
Yes, the blood.